Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here was Jesus, the new preacher, come back home. Back to the home of Nazareth, where he had grown up. He was born in Bethlehem, but he spent most all of his years in Nazareth. This is where his family, they made a name for themselves. Everybody there knew Jesus, and Jesus knew everybody there. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, he had set up a carpentry business in this hometown. And as a result, Jesus probably would have done some carpentry work for a lot of the people in town. I'm sure that it is safe to say that the Holy Family had a good reputation in that town. Since Jesus knew no sin, he would have performed the best service possible at the fairest price for his fellow man. When he he did a carpentry job, he would have did it to the best of his ability. Imagine somebody working for you that was 100% trustworthy. How would you feel about that person? My guess is that you would really, really like that person. And you would like that family. That's a good family. Their name would be recognized as a very good name. So here was Jesus, the good son, come back home. Everybody heard that that he would be given an opportunity to read the scripture at the synagogue. This was a special time. Not only was he coming back home for like a family reunion type of thing, but he was going to speak at church this week. I imagine that the town would have been pretty excited that Sabbath. Look at how he's all grown up. I bet there was even a couple of visitors to the synagogue that week Sure, they grew up in the town, but they didn't really go to church every week. But this week, Jesus is speaking. I'm going to check it out. And maybe somebody that Jesus and his dad worked for thought, you know what? I'm going to go and hear what he has to say. They wanted to see if he really made the right decision by becoming a preacher instead of a carpenter. And maybe some of them would think, I know he's not a carpenter anymore, but I wonder if while he's in town, he can just fix that one thing in my house. I heard that he does some jobs for free. (laughs) Well, we can't be sure exactly what the people were thinking when they saw Jesus, the good son, come home. But chances are they are thinking a lot of the same things whenever a good son or a good daughter comes home in our town. We're proud to see them. We're proud to see what they've done. I know that when somebody that's graduated from University Lutheran comes back, everybody wants to say, how are things going? You know, how is the job going? The same type of thing here. Well, the day had finally come. When the people were going to be able to hear Jesus preach, they heard about it, now they're going to get to hear it. The Gospel according to Luke describes the event in this way. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. 
And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet was given to him. Isaiah was given to him. Now this doesn't sound as near as exciting as I've been making it out to be. But trust me, this was exciting for the people. I can remember the stir surrounding my reading of the scriptures at my grandpa's funeral. Everybody wanted to hear what this wild guy who became a preacher actually sounded like. Because back then, all they knew me of as was wild. And they wanted to see what this guy was now become. Imagine that you were in that room as Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And it says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were upon him. And then Jesus began to speak. And he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody spoke well of him, and they marveled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth. I never really heard him talk before, they're thinking. He didn't say much while he was working on the job. They said, isn't this Joseph's son? They weren't even paying any attention to what he was really saying. He was saying that in me, the blind recover their sight. In me is liberty for those who are oppressed. In me is the year of the Lord's favor. They didn't really notice any of that. They were so proud of Jesus that they weren't hearing what he was saying. They just liked how he talked and how he read. And they whispered back and forth. Jesus just told them that he was the Christ. And they just said, how gracious are his words. So nice. (laughs) Everybody was just so happy. But then, everything changed. Jesus knew that they weren't getting it. And he began to preach something that did not sit very well with the people at all. Some of them might have started to get uncomfortable and thinking, what's he doing? He did did really good so far. Just sit down (laughs) while you're still ahead. And everything changed when Jesus said, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. 
What we heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. And he goes on to say that there were many, there was not one, uh, there was not one, uh, what is it called? There was not one leper that was healed in Israel in the time of Elisha, but only lepers outside of the clan. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogues, they were filled with wrath. And they, drove, they rose up and drove him out of the town. And they brought him to the brow on the hill in which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Now what in the world changed in the hearts of these people? What would change their minds about Jesus? What would make our sinful nature boil over to the point where we would rise up and tell a preacher, shut up. Jesus started preaching suffering and the cross. He told them, what they and others would be saying the day that the Son of Man was killed, that God's Son was killed. Jesus showed them the ugliness inside of them. They would demand proof. They would demand miracles. They would be testing God as they tested Jesus. And Jesus showed the ugliness inside of us as well. It was our ugly sins that Jesus would carry to, the, to his death in the form of a cross. It was our ugly sins that would mock Jesus and say, Physician, heal yourself. I don't need you. If anything, you need me. What kind of ugly sins do you try to hide? That if somebody brought up, you would say, be quiet, get away from me. Maybe it's some thoughts that you try to keep down. That you don't want to hear the word of God speak about those things. Maybe it's something from long ago that you try to suppress in the deepest parts of your memory. Today, Jesus sheds his light on us and all of our ugly sins. He, is, he exposes them with the light of his word. In our epistle, we saw how we're all to work together. And it points out how we all rise up against each other. In, our, in the Nehemiah reading, we heard how people treasured God's word, which brings up how we neglect God's word. We brought up in Bible study this morning how, you know, David did all of these bad things. He sinned against Bathsheba. He, murder, he murdered uh, Bathsheba's husband. 
He did all of these things. And when the prophet came and talked to him, the prophet brought up, you have despised the word of the Lord. We've all done that. We've all taken God's word and put it over there. We try to push Jesus out of our lives just as the people of Nazareth did. Or we can let the light of Jesus shine and expose our sin for what it is. And why does he want to expose it? So that he can set to liberty those who are oppressed by it. So that he can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to us who suffer from the oppression of our sin. My prayer is that no matter what happens in your life, you would see Jesus for who he is. The son of God who died for your sins, rose from the dead, forgives you all your sins. The same Jesus that is preparing a place for you in heaven. The hardest three things for people to believe are these. One, that we have sins. We say, well, I admit I'm a sinner. I just prayed that prayer. But we are always trying to justify ourselves. One pastor brought it up this way. He, it was really, he did it in a funny way. He brought up, Proof that we are always trying to justify ourselves is when you have a friend run past you after you just left the Dairy Queen. He says, you tell them, and you're all by yourself, so it's not like a celebration thing. And he says, you tell them, well, I didn't have lunch today. I didn't, I haven't eaten all day. He said, what are you trying to do? You're trying to justify what you're doing right now. All that proves that, now Dairy Queen's not a sin, but what he was saying, <laughs> what, what he was saying is that, like that example is proof that we're always trying to justify ourselves, if not to God, to other people, right? We're trying to say, I'm not a sinner no matter what you think, Right? So that's the first thing. The hardest three things for people to believe is that number one, I'm a sinner. I'm in need. Number two, the number two is that our sins really deserve hell or Jesus' death on the cross. We tend to think that our sins aren't that bad. At least I didn't. You fill in the blank. And three, the hardest thing for us to believe is that Jesus really forgives your sins. Even that one. Don't push him out of your life like those people in Nazareth tried to do.
Receive him with joy whenever he comes to you in his word and his sacrament. And remember that he comes to you not to flatter you as the people in Nazareth first thought. No, he comes to expose your sinful nature, to gut it out, to forgive you and give you new life in him. In other words, his reason for coming to you is to save you because he loves you. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.